This morning we are concluding our sermon series on seven lessons from Matthew 7. This uh, morning we are looking at the conclusion to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is the last word that Jesus gives as he is speaking to those who are gathered. A sermon that began in the fifth chapter of Matthew and now as we near the end of the seventh chapter, Jesus speaks these words. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and the heat and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does uh, not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. That is God's uh, word for us this morning. Jesus speaks about two choices as he concludes the Sermon on the Mount, and the illustration that he uses to uh, reinforce the words that he's already spoken was the image of uh, building a house. And in that imagery that he's using, he's making reference to uh, what uh, we would call dry riverbeds, but what in Jesus' day were called wadis, and in the Palestinian area are still called wadis. Dry riverbeds, uh, riverbeds that stayed without water for at least nine months of the year. Uh, They were inviting places to perhaps consider, tempting places to consider building a house because they were largely flat area, flat ground, didn't have to do a lot of clearing or any any clearing really. Uh, It was easy to uh, imagine being able to uh, start construction immediately, Uh, particularly if you were not aware that you were building in a dry riverbed, that you had confidence or you thought you uh, were were confident in what you knew to the extent that this place could not appear to be more inviting and that you knew better than anybody what needed to be done in order for you to build the house And to do that, take the path of least resistance in order to accomplish that. And then Jesus talks about the wise man who looks for uh, some solid ground. Something that can withstand the wind and the water. Something that will remain standing after the rains come, after the storms come. Because the storm inevitably comes. And the house that's built in this dry riverbed that the the foolish man anticipates will always be dry. It'll always be a great place. When the rains come, when the storms come, all of a sudden that person finds out this isn't a good place to be. 
uh, the confidence that I had that uh, in everything that I thought I knew and everything I thought I could do, my confidence was misplaced. I wasn't looking at perhaps what uh, would be the wise choice. I was looking at what would be the easy choice or I was expressing myself in such a way that I knew what was best, that what really counted was what I decided to do. And if I decided that this was a good place to build, then it was a good place to build, regardless of anything else that might happen. And Jesus says in that case that when storms are going to come and your house is going to be washed away, because it's not built on rock, something that lasts, something that provides firm foundation. So to illustrate, we want to show you this morning a scene from one of my favorite movies of all time, a movie called Shenandoah. It's an old, old movie came out 30, 40 years ago, I guess. Jimmy Stewart was in. He played a character named Charlie Anderson. The setting for the movie is the Civil War. In the Anderson family, uh, all nine of them, Charlie Anderson, the head of the family, had kept his family separated out of the war. They lived in Virginia, but they didn't fight for the Confederacy, and they didn't fight for the Union. They were neutral. They had their 500-acre farm, and it was theirs, and they didn't want anybody, Union or Confederate, coming on their land. Anderson, Charlie Anderson, the character that Stewart plays, was widowed. Uh, He had been widowed for about 16 years. But he made a promise to his wife that he would always take the children to church. Didn't care much about it himself, but out of uh, honoring that promise to his wife, he made sure that all his children, all his family was in church every Sunday. So near the beginning of the movie, there's this scene of the Anderson family gathered around the table preparing to receive dinner, and Charlie Anderson offers this prayer. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed, sowed it, and harvested. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We work dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen. So that is Charlie Anderson at the beginning of the, uh, the movie. As the movie, uh, as the story progresses of the Anderson family, As hard as Charlie Anderson has tried to keep his family protected from the war, he can't do it. They suffer uh, tragedy as a result of uh, warring that is going on around them, that they get swept up in. So that when you get to the end of the movie, this this prayer that Anderson offers is a prayer that he says at every dinner, at every, uh, every dinner meal, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. That was the same, same idea. So, near the end of the movie, 
Charlie Anderson, with the family that's gathered, uh, begins to try to pray the prayer again in the midst of all that has happened to his family. And he gets about halfway through it, and he stops, and he cannot go any further. And he gets up, and he leaves the table. The next scene, Charlie Anderson is standing at his wife's grave, the graveside. And he's talking to his wife. He's having prayer, really. And basically, uh, in, in all the words that he speaks, and they're powerful words, but he's pleading. He said to his wife, I wish you were here. I just need you to tell me what to do. I wish you were here. Just, if you could just tell me what to do. And he breaks down at that point. Now off in the distance, Charlie Anderson hears church bells ringing. Remember his wife and the promise that he made. Church bells ringing in the distance. He realizes it's Sunday. And he looks at his wife's gravestone and said, says, you just never give up, do you? He goes back to his house. He gets all his family together, and they go to church. Uh, and a powerful ending to the film and a great moment of grace that occurs. A man who built his house, uh, we could say, on, on sand. He was very confident. You could hear that in that prayer. We did it all, but thank you anyway, God. And has it all swept away. As hard as he tried to control things, couldn't control them. But he finds the rock at the end of the film. Well, we're going to sing a song here in just a few minutes about that I think is really about building your house on a rock your faith on a rock. There's a great story behind this song that you may not be familiar with. It was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. And we're going to show a a video that tells you the story about that song. Be prepared as as the story ends because we're going to sing It Is Well With My Soul. We'll move right into that. And I think you're going to find, uh, and it's one of my favorite hymns. It speaks uh, speaks to building our lives on solid rock. The year was 1871 in the city of Chicago. Horatio Spafford, a lawyer, had worked hard and over the years managed to build a happy, comfortable life with his beautiful wife and five children. He'd invested heavily in the bustling world of Chicago real estate, and it was paying off nicely. Times were good. He had a wonderful family. His wealth was growing. His future was bright. His faith in God was strong. Horatio Spafford had peace. But 1871 was the year that everything changed. It was the year of the Great Chicago Fire. In one single catastrophe, 
Horatio lost all of his investment property. Everything was destroyed in the fire. Clinging to the love and support of his family, he went to work to rebuild what he had lost. For the next two years, Horatio dedicated himself to rebuilding the city he loved and to assist all the people left homeless and impoverished by the fire. But tragedy struck again. In the midst of rebuilding, Horatio's only son died suddenly. Filled with grief and weary from his work, the Spafford family decided it would be a good time to take a vacation. They would sail to England where they would join some close friends. Horatio's hope was that the rest would once again bring them some peace. Just before leaving on their trip, Horatio was delayed with urgent business, but he sent his family on ahead, his wife and their four girls. He would catch up with them on the other side of the Atlantic. But on November 22, 1873, their ship was struck by another sailing vessel and within 20 minutes sank to the bottom of the ocean. Mrs. Spafford was found unconscious, clinging to the wreckage. Her daughters, Maggie, Tanetta, Annie, and Bessie, were never found. Days later, Horatio would receive a telegram from his wife, only two words long, saved alone. Horatio boarded the next ship to be with his grieving wife. Standing on the deck heading across the Atlantic, he saw with his own eyes the very spot where his four daughters and 226 other people drowned. Returning to his cabin, Horatio Spafford penned these lyrics. Oh, be a star. My 
Wrong. 